Hello and welcome to another edition of the PBJ Spotlight. My name is Ed Ryan, content editor for the Podcast Business Journal. In the PBJ Spotlight today is Glenn the Geek Hebert, one of the most successful podcasters on the planet. Glenn was in the investment business and an actor for 10 years before he moved into the horse business. He launched The Stable Scoop Show in 2008, and after six months of producing the show, he had about 12 listeners. But he kept at it and kept working hard, and he had a goal in mind of creating a network. Today, the Horse Radio Network is one of the largest independent podcasting networks in the world. As of January 2019, the Horse Radio Network has produced over 7,400 episodes, interviewed over 9,000 guests, and has listeners in 92 countries, along with 16 shows. Glenn the Geek and the Horse Radio Network are truly one of podcasting's true success stories. In our interview, Glenn tells us why he stuck with it, how he grew his niche podcast, and he explains his philosophy that listeners come for the content and they stay for the show. Here's our spotlight with Glenn the Geek Hebert. How do you go from being in the investment business or being an investor to the horse business? What's that transition there? You marry into it. That's gotcha. how. <laughs> You get a wife who's addicted. And then uh, I did burn out. I burned out uh, from investment sales after about 15 years, and I said I need to do something different. And that's when we, we did a number of other things along the way and uh, eventually ended up you know, doing this. So before you get to the podcasting part of it, what is the horse business? What do you mean by that? Well, I, you know, we, we train – I mean, it could be anything. There's a million different horse businesses. But we we my wife trained horses. We had a big farm. We had 20-some horses at one point. And we had people boarding with us, keeping their horses at our place. And then we opened a retail business. We were actually the second ones back in the 1990s. To, we had a brick-and-mortar store, but we were also the second ones to ever be online selling horse products tack and saddles and that kind of thing. So we were early on in that game, which is how I got the name Glenn the Geek, because we always were the geeky ones that were a little ahead of the curve in the horse world. And that's how I was given name Glenn the Geek, and it just always stuck. So you start out with one show. When was that, and what was that first uh, original show about? 2008. It was called The Stable Scoop Show. It was a general show. I knew if we wanted a network that we'd have to attract listeners with a general show about horses as opposed to niching it down even further. Uh, and But I always knew that we could have a you know 30 shows niched down further in the horse world. So we started out with a general show and built the audience. After six months, we had 12 listeners. Uh, and we, we brag about that now because back then, horse people are usually behind a little bit technology-wise. So back then, it was it was just really one person at a time educating them how to listen to a podcast because iTunes was new, and uh, it was it was tough, and that was our toughest battle for sure. It wasn't content; it was it was educating people. So how were you getting that original show out? How were you marketing that? We in, in person, <laughs> a lot of it. We were at horse shows, and we would be at events and telling our friends and. Uh, you know, our guests would help us for what they could because, you know, Facebook really wasn't a thing back then either. So they were just telling their friends at Barnes, and it really became a word of mouth. Uh, and after a year, you know, it grew a little, and after the second year, it grew a lot, and it was word of mouth. It, and after the second show started, that that influenced a whole new group of horse people. 
that started uh, putting the word out. Plus, we got our sponsor in the first year, too, our first sponsor, who's still with us, by the way. And she really put the word out, too, amongst her. She would, she would actually uh, put notices in the boxes she shipped out and you know, about our show and how to listen. We, again, we had to educate people how to listen. And most of the listeners back then were on the, were on the website on their computer. And that's how they had to listen. They hit play on the website. So when you're doing that first show, is it weekly? Is it uh, daily? Well, weekly. Yeah, okay, back weekly? then I think weekly was it. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I don't think any of us knew we should do anything different than weekly. There were a couple. What? There were a couple, a couple daily ones at that point, but everybody was doing weekly shows, and and I kind of you know the only podcasting experience I had was listening to Twit. Mm-hmm. The Twit Network, you know, that's the podcast with Leo, and that's the only ones I had ever listened to. So I kind of based it around that, you know, you know, doing it weekly. So you're doing a weekly show, and obviously at that point you're you're still in in the horse business. You're still running. Happily employed reg- somewhere else, yes. Right, I mean. right, right. <laughs> so at what point along the way after the first show do you start to expand this in, into more shows? I had a, a – a woman contacted me that wanted to do a second show in the horse world, and we kind of took a look at it. And she started that second show, and then we very quickly got up to five or six shows. Over the next two and a half years, we got up to five or six shows. And, you know, I base doing a new show on the hosts. I have to find the right hosts. We may have the greatest concept in the world, but unless you have the right hosts in that spot – your show is going to fail. I, I believe people come for the content and stay for the hosts. We have a lot of people that listen to our Horses in the Morning show, for instance, who are not horse people, but they just like us. And they listen because it's funny and it's entertaining. And, yeah, it's about horses, but they, they listen anyway because it, they like the hosts. So you, you have how many shows now? How, how many has it grown we to? We have 16. S- 16 shows. And – and All about you, horses. <laughs> when you say network, how are you delivering the shows? Are they all on your website? Are they all delivered by the hosts? Is there? Tell us how it's how. All of that. Okay. Um, all of that. We do have a horse radio network has all the shows. We have our own app, which we did several years ago. We had a listener that was an app developer early on, and uh, he said, "You know, I have this app out here. I want to advertise to the horse world. I'll trade you. I'll build your app." And he's been our app developer ever since. We get about 25% of our traffic from our own app. So for us, it's turned out to be a really good thing. And again, because horse people tended to be a little behind technologically, it was easier to tell them how to download an app than how to download a podcast player, you know, and right. to find our shows. Plus, once we, they downloaded the app and came to one show, these are horse people, they're addicted. So once they came to one show, they would tend to look at the other shows in the app and go, I'll try that one. It's right here. I can click one button and I'm listening. So it made it much easier for them to listen to the other shows. So I think, you know, developing the app when we did four or five years ago was probably the best thing we ever did. It really did help us in in, in our niche. So 25% from the app, where's the rest of the traffic coming from? Well, about 50% of the remaining, about 50% from iTunes, and right now about 50% from every place else. Right, right. Yeah. That, that seems I to mean, be it, the going number. <laughs> yeah, no, it used to be. As, as, as all of ours were, it used to be 100% iTunes, you know, um, but not anymore. 
So if you go to the network, you're going to be playing one show after another, right? That's how you have it rolling. You have 16 no. shows. Okay, how yeah, does it I work? Mean, it's still podcasting. So they just go and listen to what they want to. We don't have a 24-hour. We're not playing it like a radio online radio station. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, so- but if they go to listen, uh, we figured this out the other day. We have now produced 7,500 episodes on the network. And if they go to listen, it will take them almost a year, 24 hours a day to listen to all the episodes. Wow. So what's it like now for you to be running a network as opposed to one show and working a job? I have a different job. Um, running the network is my job. Right. And, that, you know, when, when I talk about networks and people ask me about networks, I warn them that the network is going to become your job. Hosting now becomes secondary to running the network. And, you know, I can't say that that's what I wanted eventually. I can't say that the point I'm at now is where I wanted to be, I, I, because it is it has become a job. It's a it's a hundred hour a week job, uh, and you know that's taking care of thirty hosts and and I sell all the advertising and we have thirty two sponsors right now, so I have to make sure they're all happy and you know and we we also, you have to do the things that a guy running a network has to do. And we do it on a very small, I mean, we, we put out a lot of episodes every month with a very small staff. My wife is full time and we have, we have a company that edits a lot of the shows and then we have one other uh, part time producer and we put it all out. And then of course the 30 hosts. So we, but you have to keep an eye on all of that. So most of my day is not spent thinking about the shows I host. It's spent running the network. So uh, who feeds the horses now? <laughs> uh, Jennifer feeds – we only have two. We're down to two, okay. <laughs> which is a nice number. We like it that way, and I don't think we'll ever have, we'll ever have a lot of horses again. Now, the other We're, hosts, are they, also, are they getting paid? Uh, yes. Uh, we pay the ho- – we have two kinds of shows on the network. One is shows that we own, and then we hire the hosts and we pay them. And then the second kind of show on the network is an affiliate show. So that's maybe a magazine or a publication or a website that comes to us and wants to start a show, and we do all the production. So we produce the show. We put it out in the network. They're kind of paying for the production and to be on the Horse Radio Network. We just did uh, a show for Purina. Purina, everybody knows Purina. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came to us and said we want to do a horse health show, so we produced it. We actually had one of our hosts co-host it with, with their doctors that work for Purina, and that show's just come out, and that's going to be like an eight-episode series over a period of time. So um, so we produced those. That was a whole new experience to, dealing with a company that was that big mm-hmm. that was the biggest company we ever dealt with so talk about how the advertising works are you you said you're selling the advertising yourself are you using ad insertion are you are you talking no. to ad companies talk about how no. it's working no, we do all our own ad sales we're in a, such a unique niche market that remember i came from the retail side so i knew the manufacturers of these products we had sold their products so i had a lot of contacts in that world to begin with and and then they knew me from that world. So, and we had done pretty well in our store. Plus, they knew me as the guy who brought brought selling products online. We were the first on eBay and that kind of thing, selling horse products. So, you know, they knew me from that. So, when I went to them, I wasn't new to them. And now I am now because you know we're dealing with companies that were beyond my scope. Uh, you know, the beyond the people I knew. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do all the sales. Um, we we. 
we use a flat rate. We don't charge CPM. We don't do any of that. Um, it's all, but I think we're unique in we can do that because of the unique industry that we're in. It's a very tight, closed world that we're in. Yeah. Do, do you mind sharing what that flat rate is, or is that confidential? It depends on the show. Actually, okay. uh, they all vary, and it can be anywhere from like a hundred fifty dollars to four or five hundred dollars. And, and that's for, for thirty second, per episodes. Thirty second uh, read or something, or whatever. You know, it takes. host read ads don't always sure. come out to thirty sure. seconds. You know, host read ads usually go a lot longer than. <laughs> So talk about the advertising in terms of if somebody listening to this show is thinking, man, I need to sell ads. I need to get ads. I need to make some money at my show because, you know, the majority of people that are doing podcasts are not making money at it. It's a hobby or they right. can't figure out how. And so a lot of people you, don't want to make money, and that's fine. And I admire those people sometimes, let me tell you. So um, what's your advice to them, the ones that do? It's tough because I'm in such a niche market, and this is what I tell people. I help, and I've, I've – you know, I've helped other podcasters who are starting networks in niche markets because I think that's easier to find advertising the way I did it. If you're coming and you're doing a very general show that's a very general in nature, I don't know. You have to almost go through a company. I don't know how you're going to find advertising for that. Whereas I can go, you know, I know there's 50 different companies that sell saddles. I know who to target and they want my audience. That's much different than saying I have a coaching podcast and who am I going to go to, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I can have much smaller numbers and they're interested in those numbers because they're the exact people they want to talk to. And you know that. They know that only horse people, for the most part, you know, 90% are horse people listening to my show. Uh, so it is easier when you're in a niche. I, I have a tough time helping people who aren't in a specific niche. Gotcha. Makes sense. So you said you send uh, you use an editing company. Would you mind mentioning that who, who that is? Because that'd yeah, be great to know. Neo Galarte, Wild Style Media, and we're we're demanding because when we do a show, because of the turnover we have, we do so many shows that we and we do it differently than most companies do that produce shows. In that we have a producer that sits in on the call. So if the hosts for a show are doing that show and it's an affiliate show we don't own it we actually are in on the call we do all the recording we do all the editing we do we do everything just like a regular radio station would having a mm-hmm. producer in the call with the hosts and part of that is quality control part of that is making sure the ads get in part of that is you know just making sure it's done uh, you know and it and it's done in the correct order and nothing's forgotten and then we send it out to Neil and, and he has 48 hours to turn them around and he, you know, he never misses that. I mean, and we send him a lot of episodes. So, you know, we're very demanding that way. And, and it, probably more so than most people are because we're not working ahead. None of our shows, are, we have nothing in the can. We're working, record it today, put it out in two days. Gotcha. But you're doing a daily show yourself in addition to yep. the network, correct? Which, That's our it's a morning show, show right? Yeah. Yep. That's a, it's the only live morning show for the horse world. Uh, we do an hour and a half, five days a week. It's our biggest show. It's our most popular show. We just did episode 2093 today. Wow. We've been, we've been going for nine years. This is, we're into our ninth year now. And uh, it, it's, it's our most profitable show. It's the show that ever, if a title spot comes available, we sell title sponsorships for each day of that show, Monday through Friday. So you buy the day. And we haven't, I mean, people, our sponsors for that show have been with us since the beginning, the title sponsors. And what are you so, charging them? 
Well, that I'd rather not. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know that. <laughs> <laughs> but they have been with us literally since the beginning. And, and it's because it works. And you know, people say, how do, how do, what do, what is it, how do advertisers judge, right? Whether an ad spot works. In our niche, they know because our listeners will say, this is where I heard about it. They'll put it on the order form or they'll call them on the phone. They get feedback, which is how we know it works and how they know it works. And a lot of times they see a general increase in traffic. So traffic goes up and they have nowhere to attribute it to. So they attribute it to us because we're the only new thing they did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it was us or not, I can't tell for sure either unless they use codes and things like that. But sure. as you and I know, people are listening on the run and they don't always use those codes. Right. So I warn my advertisers that they're probably not all going to use the codes, but you're going to see an increase in traffic. And that's what happens. So you said so, a, uh, an hour and a half for five days. How many uh, how many commercials or spots or units, whatever, whatever you're calling them, are, are you getting in per show? We will not put more than in five in, in an hour and a half. We'll put four in an hour. You, did you do some testing to realize that's as much as you want to interrupt your content or something? or you just, That's as that's much as you... I want to be interrupted. Gotcha. So no, no testing. <laughs> so um, what do you no, think? No, that's true, though. As a host, I, I feel like I'm getting tired of doing spots. Gotcha. At that point. And I'm going, if I'm getting tired, they're getting tired. So we really do try and weave our spots into the conversation, too. Um, some of them, you know, we, we try and weave them in. And, and with, uh, with us being horse people, it's easy to talk about a company selling horse products and what they have in special. And we end up talking about how we use the product. And, you know, we really can weave it into conversation. Right, right, right. Yeah, so we it... do some traditional spots, too. We do some with music behind it, traditional radio spots. And we do that to kind of break it up so that they're not all the same. I think the audience in a 90-minute show needs a little bit of a mental break anyway. They need a break. They need to hear some music. They need a break. So it's not just talking for 90 minutes. And I think that gives them a little bit of a mental break where they're sort of half listening. And that's okay for us because they're going to hear it. They're, you know, they're going to hear that company's name over the next 10 years. So Now, you mentioned um, you do the show today. It's up in two days. Is your morning show actually live or is it? are you posting it two we days? We do it later? live. We do mm-hmm. it live, and then we post it within a half an hour. It's up. okay. Okay. We do no what, editing on the morning show because we want it to feel like it's live. Right. And what software or hosting company do you use when you do your show? <laughs> we used to use Blog Talk. I wasn't happy uh, with quality, sound quality, um, so we used them when we first started because we didn't really have another option. But right now, actually, to do our morning show, we have two hosts in different locations. Me and uh, the host is out in out in Oklahoma, and then we have a producer. So we, we do have a producer on that to handle the calls and all of that. Um, and we use Call-In Studio to handle our calls and our guests because 95% of our guests are on the phone. A lot of them are riding horses in the barn. They're horse people. So, you know, we're okay with them being on the phone. And we use Call-In Studio for that to call the guests and also for listeners to be able to call in. And we use Mixler to send out the live feed. So it takes us five computers to do the morning show. I have three. I take three. I have three on my desk. Uh, one of them is just Skype. That Skype is how we still get the hosts all connected. Mm-hmm. And then one of them is just playing the sound because we play it live. So all the sounds and all the commercials and everything has to be played. And then the other computer is where the final feed goes to that has a recorder. And then the Mixler. So we're recording two places, 
I have a backup, and then Mixler goes out live. And then the producer has a computer, and the other host has a computer. So it really does take us five computers to do the morning show. Have you ever had a situation where it just – you had a total technical breakdown? (laughs) You know what? We live in the country. So usually it's the power goes out right in the middle of the show. Oh, wow. Uh, You know, we we live in Florida. We get a lot of storms here too. So, you know, it happens. And it's everything that you can imagine has happened in 2,100 episodes has happened. Talk about call-in studio. I don't think I've ever heard of that, and I'd like our our folks that subscribe to uh, our our publication know exactly what that is. Call-in studio is amazing, and I found them years ago when we left Blog Talk. It's um, it's callinstudio.com, and I think it was originally and still is meant for radio stations to handle calls. So what happens there is it's a cloud-based solution just like a radio station. So you set up your show, and you can say, I want to have 10 lines open. I want to have up to 500 lines open. So you can actually have up to 500 lines on a, on a call or on a show. And what happens is you have a host. So I call in as the host to get the show started. And then the producer calls in as a call screener. And they can, what we needed was the ability for them to make outgoing calls to phone numbers and to take incoming calls from phone numbers off air. And because it's a cloud-based solution, we all can have call-in studio open, and they take the calls off air. They call the guests off air and get them ready for us. So when you listen to our show, it sounds like a radio show. There's no starting and stopping. The guest is ready. And then we communicate through Skype chat with all the hosts and the producer, and they let us know. Guest is delayed. It's going to be another five minutes. Kill time. Or the guest is ready, and we bring them in through call-in studio. Does it sound like they're on a phone? Yes. It sounds like a radio show where people call in on the phone. We sound good. They sound like they're on the phone. And that's fine for us because, you know, we're not getting our people that live on a farm in the middle of nowhere to, to download Skype and get a microphone and do all of that. These are busy people that are usually out riding 10 horses in a day. Hmm. So a lot of – we love it if they're riding a horse and we can hear the hoofbeats. Sure. If they're – that's – Gold for us, right? Because <laughs> the listeners right. love that too. So yeah, we don't worry about that a whole lot. But Colin Studio is perfect. We do a twelve-hour live marathon on Cyber Monday every year. It's called our Holiday Radiothon, and we have thirty guests, we have thirty hosts, we change it every hour. And last year or this past uh, year, we had two hundred and thirty-two calls in the twelve hours, all handled through Colin Studio. Wow. That's and amazing. what's nice is when they're on hold, they're listening to the show. Sure, sure. So, and I'm guessing there's there might be a monthly fee for that or something. Yeah, but people should I check it out. They should check it out. I, you know, I know we pay more because we use it more, but I, I don't. It's not that expensive. I remember it. It's like twelve dollars a month or something. I don't know to have the base plan, and then you pay by minute for the callers. But it does not cost us all that much. Gotcha. So you said your first year, your first show, you had 12 listeners. I imagine you have more than that now. Yeah, we have a few more. We have tens of thousands now. Nice. But it's taken a long time. (laughs) Sure, sure. So that's another piece of advice to folks is be patient. I mean, don't expect after your seventh or eighth show that you're going to have as many callers as Glenn, right? Right. No, you're not. It's taken us 2,100 episodes to get to the point where we are with the morning show. You know, it's it's it takes a long time. Now, we had the advantage of being in the niche market. So, I again, horse people are crazy. They're addicted. So, you know, they spend all their money on horses. That's all they think about. And that gives us, I think, a huge advantage 
in our in our listenership in each other too so our word of mouth is probably a little bit greater right so you mentioned a couple of times find your niche and you also said they'll come for the content and stay for the host so talk about how important it is once you know if you found somebody in your niche you better be entertaining or, or they're not going to be around for long uh, my my every keynote I give at podcasting conferences starts with don't be boring don't be boring. I came from the entertainment side. So I said, okay, I couldn't find any, I couldn't find videos or anything in the horse world that wasn't just dry training videos. So when we started, I said, you know what, we got to take what I learned from being an improvisational comedic performer on stage and bring that to our shows. It has to be fun. It has to be entertaining. And oh, by the way, you're going to learn something along the way. And if it, as, when people come and say, you guys are so funny, I almost drove off the road, and then the next email comes and says, you've talked about a health issue on my horse, and it saved my horse, and we've gotten a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it saved my horse because I knew about it. That makes my day, because when we hear both of those things, it means we're doing our job. So are you using social media at all, or are you really so niche where you just you stay in that, 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 that you know, horse community, and that's enough? No, Facebook is our big thing. Um, Horse people tend to be on Facebook. We have, we also use Patreon. And what we do, we do a little Patreon a little bit differently in that the money that's donated through Patreon, most of that gets divided up amongst our hosts and given back to the hosts. So when people, uh, you know, are are donating through Patreon to become what we call an auditor, they, um, they are really given directly to the hosts. And it's nice for the hosts because they get a raise every month. You know, and they get a little bit more money every month and they know it's directly coming from the listeners. So I think we have around 400 now that are in our auditor group and they have a private Facebook page. And it's the most active, positive, upbeat place I've seen in the horse world. There's 400 people in there and there's nothing negative. They help each other and they talk about their lives and they really have become a family. I know everybody that has a podcast says that, mm-hmm. uh, but but I'm amazed at this group, how they have become a family. They come to Ocala. They always stop in and visit here at the studios. It truly, We went riding with some that came down from Michigan with their horses last weekend. So it really does become a family, and, and we're proud to have that core group that really becomes a focus group. I have 400 people in my focus group, so I can go in there and ask a question and get 50 to 100 answers immediately. You're, okay. You mentioned the computers. Talk about what your studio looks like and what kind of equipment you're using. Oh, yeah. We're laughable compared to most. Um, we use ATR 2100s for the most part. Um, my hosts tend to use, uh, I found Behringer mics years ago that came in a three-pack for like $50. And when we didn't have a lot of money, that was a good price, and they were half-decent mics. And they actually sound pretty good. And most of my hosts are still using those, so we'll send those out. Um, but the ATR 2100s are, for the most part, I'm using a 10-year-old mixer. Because I and I have three or four mixers sitting here, and because I have like two mix minuses and it's very complicated setup, and I had consultants Dave Jackson help me for uh, two hours one day, and we just couldn't get the new fancy mixers to work. So I went to my Behringer mixer that's ten years old and it works like a dream <laughs> uh, to get all these computers talking to each other. It's amazing. Uh, so as equipment goes, we don't. I probably spent more on my stand-up desk than anything in the studio. Um, and then we use all I, we use all PCs. I just find they're easier to use for what we're doing. Now, what is your opinion on the podcasting space and how you've see, seen it evolve over the years? It took long enough to get to the point where I was hoping it would be five years ago. 
it's finally getting to the point where I was always hoping it would be, and I was always hoping that we as the Horse Radio Network would be number one in our space when people finally figured out there were podcasts in the world. And we were, and they have. So in, in, even in the horse world now, they're starting to figure out their podcasts. We didn't have any competition at all in our world. We didn't have any other podcasts. Um, and now that's starting to happen. In the last two years, there have been a lot of podcasts popping up, and I'm thrilled about that. There have been a lot of horse because we need, we still need to educate people that there are podcasts about horses. And I can't tell you how many of our listeners have said, I listened to this other show, and then I searched because I thought there must be others. So I'm, I'm glad we're getting help and educating, and I'm excited. I think, you know, we, I think that what's going to happen is we're going to, we're going to have this, insurgents that we've had we're going to have all this technology stuff and then i think on the other side of that uh those that have the tenacity to put out their shows on time to to do the work it takes to make a good show and to keep doing it over and over and over again will win but boy you've got to have that can't miss episodes and you've got to not be boring you've got to put out a show with good content that people love the hosts and if you do that, we're going to end up in a whole different world, I think, in three years. It's going to be different than it is now, and we just have to keep up with those changes. But I, I, for, I don't feel like I'm I – I feel like for the first time in 10 years, we're at the point where uh, I'm in the right business. I'm in a business that's, that's going to make it, as opposed to having that fight we did, what, you know, five or six years ago. Where we were all going to go and are we going to make the, through this? Will you be at Podcast Movement and PodFest this year, obviously, in your home state? And can people come see you there? Yep, we're doing um, my co-host. And, and actually, I, uh, she owns the Florida Podcast Network, which uh, I have a piece of. Uh, Jemmy Lagonier and I are doing the opening keynote at PodFest. This will be our fourth year doing that. So we kind of open up the festivities. We met at PodFest years ago, so that's and we've been business partners ever since. And then Podcast Movement, yes, it's in Orlando. I'm definitely going. And for anybody that doesn't know how to get in touch with you that might be a new podcaster, where can they find you? Horseradionetwork.com. Glenn, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks again to Glenn the Geek Hebert for allowing us to shine the PBJ spotlight on him. What a great story. If you believe you have a great story to tell and you should be in the PBJ spotlight, send me an email, edryantheeditor at gmail.com. That's edryantheeditor at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and sign up for our free daily headlines at podcastbusinessjournal.com. And we'll be back soon with another edition of the Podcast Business Journal Spotlight.